first time I see you. But yeah, Father, I just thank you that, that this couple is on your heart, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that, um, that in this season that you are setting them apart for that which you have for them in the name of Jesus. And I pray, Lord Jesus, even, uh, I don't know, I see these attacks, these things of the enemy that wants to come and slow down or hinder the purposes of God in their lives. So we just say in the name of Jesus, that stop today in Jesus' name. Father, I pray that you'll push back every wave or anything of the enemy that tries to hinder um, what you want to do in and through them, Father. And we just pray for release into that which you have for them, Lord. We pray in the name of Jesus, keep them, protect them. But I pray for an acceleration in this time, in this season, for that, for the things of the Spirit. And I pray, Lord Jesus, for a, a clarity. I see a clarity of hearing His voice, a clarity. And even, Lord, I pray that in this season, maybe at times where there was not a clarity, I pray right now, Lord, that they will, it will become clear, crystal clear, Lord, in Jesus' name. And, Lord, that they will walk in the ways that you have for them in Jesus. Your lamb, your word is a lamp unto their feet. Father, I pray that your light will shine brightly and that you will guide them and lead them in this season. And Lord, just with having them here with us today, we bless them. We thank you for them. And Lord, just shower your, your amazing blessing on them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Just want to pull this to the side here. Feels so different having a, a mic with a lead. Feels like I'm gonna burst into a song or something this morning. Um, isn't it just such a privilege to have so many different cultures in one room? Isn't that beautiful? And I, I think very much it's a picture of what heaven is gonna be. Different tribes, different tongues, all coming together with with one focus with one thing in mind, with um, one mission, and that's to worship Jesus. And it's so beautiful that we, we have these settings, um, even at the worship time we had now. It's almost like a glimpse of what we're going to have one day. I know we mostly sang English and then a little bit of Zulu, but um, I don't know how it's going to work in heaven. Maybe it's going to be different languages. Maybe we're all suddenly going to speak the same language. I don't know. But all I know is we're going to worship Jesus together. And that is just... Such a, a beautiful thing. Um, I did, what, what did you say, Christian? Uh, uh, yes. I do have to say, my wife and I, we love Portuguese worship. I actually, I just want to m mention, I, I almost took the mic this morning and just started singing, you know, Lindo, 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 Vai. Quadra, Quadra, Etrudo, Jesus. It's the only song we sing quite a lot in Portuguese. For the English people, beauty, beauty, beautiful. Glory, glory, glory is Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways. Um, uh, actually, also, where's the Netherlands? Oh, here you are at the front. We met them the other day. Last night, I actually listened to Mozaik worship or something like that. Yes. Um, I, I wondered how it's, uh, uh, Netherlands worship sounds, and it was very much Afrikaans, I have to say, which is very good. I actually have a word for color and for... Um, the vet. And um, I, I, there's two parts to it. The first part is, I actually saw you guys, I know you're not surfers, okay? And I'm also not a surfer. So I'm saying that for two reasons. Number one, I don't actually know how surfing works, okay? But I saw you standing almost in front of the beach and, and seeing the ocean in front of you. 
And I felt like the season that you've in was almost a little bit like a, 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 the position and the posture of the heart was that one of scouting. Looking at the weather conditions, looking, you know, it, w w when is the time going to be right to actually go in and, you know, start surfing and actually take the surfboard and actually take a wave and all of that. And I felt like, um, just to mention, I don't feel like it was a wrong season. I actually felt like the season was in the Lord, okay? The, the scouting, it was in the Lord. But I felt very much this influence the Lord actually wants to, to add to you guys in this season to come. He's very much pleased in the, in the basics that you've, 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 like you got it right. You've been faithful in the basics. But I feel like there's an adding to, almost climbing into the ocean and actually taking the surfboard and actually going. And I feel like there's a sense, even over the two of you as a couple, like, you know, uh, there's certain things the Lord is actually ministry-wise causing you guys to step into. And I, I, I feel like the encouragement from the Lord is that in this season to come, it's actually, it's on His heart for the two of you to, to step out actually into those spaces and places where you know the Lord is actually calling you into, you're stepping into. So I feel like very much, I asked the Lord, like, when? And I, I, I actually feel like very soon. Um, the time of scouting is done. And it's actually time for surfing. Okay, and I, I, I feel like there's, there's something of that for you. It doesn't make sense. Lord, I just thank you for them as a gift. For those of you who don't know, we actually send them from this congregation into the Netherlands. Lord, and I just thank you for what you've um, done through them, what you've added through them, and I thank you just for greater measure. I thank you for the influence that you want to add to them, Jesus. I just thank you, God. I thank you for wisdom. Lord, I thank you for just the leading of your spirit in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, so this morning I am going to teach a little bit. I actually felt on my heart to teach a little bit. Now, I know we, we have a time of worship and we're praying for people. And there's just a tangible sense of the, the presence of God this morning. You know, it's a beautiful thing. We don't even have a full band here on stage. We have... Two very talented guitarists. Annie's voice feels, when Annie sings, I feel like I am in heaven. Um, <laughs> always need to check my pulse when she sings, you know. Um, <clears throat> but there was, uh, I mean, even with having a, a, a smaller strip down band, you know, there, there's just the sense of the Lord in the room. And I've, I've been, you know, in these situations, often when we start teaching, you know, we almost like we can switch off a little bit in our brains, you know, being like, you know, okay, we just had an encounter with the Lord, we just experienced His presence. But I very much feel like this morning, and I know Keenan also brought a word to me about soft hearts, that very much the posture, specifically when it comes to the Word of God, and, and hopefully what I'm sharing this morning is not my ideas and my opinion, but from the Word of God, that our posture towards it needs to be that of soft hearts. And it's from that place that fruitfulness would flow. You all agree with me? So this morning, I'm speaking to myself. I've been so challenged as I've been looking at the Word of God regarding this. Um, and I'm, 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 my prayer this morning is that we would have soft hearts. May that be our posture. Now, um, some of you heard the news last week. Ingrid and myself, we are moving from Wellington. Um, we going to, um, we've been shifted by Andrew to Durbanville in the end of May. Um, the first thing I asked Maris when he asked me if we're going to going to um, preach this um, Sunday. I asked Maris, is this my last preach? I just want to make sure. <laughs> 
it will determine what I say. <laughs> and he said no. So I'm just saying it to everyone. No, I'm joking. Um, but um, for us, every Sunday, we like, it feels like we're just taking in. You know, like you, you know when you're at a buffet, I don't know if you've ever been at a buffet, for some reason there's an urgency. You need to eat. You know, although there's food everywhere, you, it's almost you eat quicker than you, what you would eat at a normal restaurant, you know? And I think it's similar for us. We, at Wellington, it feels like we just need to, you need to take in, you know? Need to take in, need to take in. So it's, it's really a privilege. We do not take this for granted, being here. Um, and this obviously was very much our home. But the, the, the previous uh, two times I've preached, the first one in January, I started with a statement, and some of you would remember. I said, I feel like God is speaking to us as Wellington AM, and He's saying this truth and speaking this truth over us as a body, that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. I made that statement. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's easy for us to speak about it, and it's easy for us to, to you know, we, and most of us, Sunday school, I mentioned that also there. We sing songs when it comes to temple of the Holy Spirit, Afrikaans, you know, we, we, we know that English, don't you know, no, don't you know you're a temple? I'm actually not sure that's correct English, but something like that. Much of Portuguese, you know, you guys sing that I'm also not sure in the Netherlands if you have that song, but but it, it's this truth that most of our kids actually proclaim. But I, I feel like I need to. We need to look at that and, and unpack it a little bit this morning. But I'm I'm going to do it from a different direction, because do you know you can quickly put Romans 8 verse 29 on there that one of the purposes of God every day in your life is to form you. And change you into the image of His Son. Do you know that? That everything in your life, everything that He's busy doing, everything that He's, he's speaking to you, the seasons that you go through, whatever it is, in the end, it has this purpose that He's changing you into the image of His Son. We see it in Romans 8, verse 29, and I'm going to read it to, uh, for you. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Then 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18, it says a similar thing. And we all, with unveiled face, behold the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. It's, we get this picture of, uh, you know, it's the Spirit of God in us that is changing us into the image of His Son. Now the question this morning is, why is He doing this? Why is He changing us into the image of His Son? Why is He forming us into the image of His Son? And what I'm going to say now is actually maybe very, very much common sense, and most of us know this, but He wants to form His Son in us. Because the Son glorifies the Father. He's forming you into the image of Jesus. Why? Because it's Jesus that ultimately gives the glory to God. And as you and I, we change into the image of His Son. Do you know what happens? There's an unobstructed heart that pours out praise and glory to the one that deserves it. That's what He's busy doing. I want to read this to you. 
He has a burning, God has a burning desire to reproduce His Son through the outpouring of His Spirit into us. It's God's joyful objective to transform us into the image of His Son. And believe me, you want this too. For every aspect of your being was made to be mixed with God. All of you were made to be with Him. All of you were made for Him. As He desires to change us into the image of His Son, my hope is that all of us would walk away this morning with a hunger saying, Lord, I need to be changed. I need to be changed. There's no one here this morning that can say, I am perfect. And all of us, even as we, we um, had a time of worship, whether we prayed for you, even in a time of teaching, are being changed. Are being changed. And now it's beautiful from those two scriptures. It gives us the key. How are we changed? It says, by what? Beholding the glory of God. Quickly look to the person next to you and say, Behold. Husband and wives, look one another in the eyes. <laughs> That's how I behold you. Okay. <laughs> it's almost this picture of a mirror, you know. I know some of you, when you look in the mirror in the mornings, you don't necessarily like what you're seeing. But it's looking in, it's beholding, it's looking. As we look, we are changed. I read yesterday... It takes about 100 seconds when you look straight into the sun to damage your eyes permanently. Now, that's less than two minutes. Please don't go test this theory out today. Please don't do it. But it takes about 100 seconds. And it's almost similar looking at Jesus. When we immerse ourselves with who He is, when we study His Word, when we pray together, when we fellowship together, when, you know, when all these different aspects come together, when we spend time with Him, and um, hopefully all of us have a, a, a devotional time with Him, when we do all those things, it changes us. It's like looking to the sun and your eyesight never being the same. It's similar looking at Jesus and you never being the same. Amen? Amen. So today, I want to look at one aspect of who He is, keeping this in mind, that even as we look at that, that you and I would be changed, that we would be changed. Now, I'm very much aware that this will stretch, far, it will stretch further than just me standing here and teaching. My hope is that you would go and look at, at the Word yourselves. That you would go and pray about this. Even as you meditate on this, may you be changed. May you be changed. I want to take you to John 2, verse 13 to 22. John 2, verse 13 to 22. Now, I'm going to read this to you. It's pass over time. Now, in pass over time, the, all the Jews in the, in the biblical times, what happened is they would go to Jerusalem to worship. Now, we're not speaking about 100 or 200. We're speaking about thousands of people coming together to worship. Now, verse 13, the Passover the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And in the temple, we found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords. Yes, Jesus made a whip of cords. He drove them all out of the temple with, with the sheep and oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. 
his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. So the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? And Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he said this, and believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. So we have this scenario here. Jesus is um, going to the temple. He's seeing these people, people selling oxen and pigeons. Believe it or not, these weren't. Um, pe on, the surface, on the surface, it must probably looked like these people were doing some of the people that were not living in Jerusalem a favor. Because what happened is they would travel very far, and obviously they need to bring a sacrifice to the Passover. And some of them didn't bring any animals with. So getting to the temple, haha! And these people selling sheep, selling pigeons. I'm going to quickly buy my pigeon. I'm going to quickly buy my sheep, and I'm going to take it, and I'm going to oxen. I'm going to take it, and I'm going to uh, make a sacrifice. So on the surface level, it actually looked like these Jews that were selling, that was trading in the outer courts of the temple, they were actually doing the other Jews' favor. But obviously, Jesus sees everything. <laughs> and as he got in there, he said, this house is not a house of trade. By making that statement, what we realized is these people had a different intention in their hearts. It wasn't just to help people to worship. Their intention was to make money. And Jesus despised that. He didn't like that at all. He, or, you know, he made, a, um, um, he made a whip of cords. Whip of cords, not uh, guitar cords. Whip of cords, literally a whip. Okay? He, he threw out the money, turned the tables around, which is quite a, a response. But if you look at that response, I love how I'd say it. It actually comes from David. He writes it in the Psalms. He says, the father's house... Ach, um, a uh, 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 zeal for your house will consume me. As the disciples witnessed this, they thought of that. They said, this Jesus is so jealous of this place of worship, of this temple, that he doesn't want to share it with any other motive. He doesn't want to share this place of worship with anything else. This motive to make money cannot be in the house of God. And that was the response. Often people look at that response and they're like, you see, I can also flip tables because he did it, you know? That's not at all what Jesus did there. It doesn't give you permission to go home today and, you know, with the chicken on the table and just flip it, you know? I'm not saying that. Please don't do that. Um, but what I am saying is, if you look at that response, it testifies of the zeal that was in God's heart for his temple. Are you all still with me there? Then he makes this statement in verse 19. He says, they ask him, the Jews come to him, they ask him for a sign, and then Jesus answered them, I will destroy this temple in three days. I will rise it up. He wasn't speaking about the materialistic temple there. He wasn't speaking about the physical location, the physical temple, you know. Who of you have ever been in one of the European temples, you know, um, churches, church buildings? I've been to Russia. There, you, you know, you have this massive, majestic church buildings. You know, you walk into it and it's just 
so big. You can't, you, I mean, you can't even fathom someone being on the roof of that thing. And if you look at the windows, every window um, is an art piece. You know, it's stained glass windows. Um, some of the artists, there's actually famous artists that painted those, those windows, and it took them years to do it. I mean, it's just something to behold. And I remember when I've been in the UK, I've been in a, a couple of those type of churches or temples in the Russia. Also, the one thing that stood out for me every time I walked into it, even if there were tourists in it and even if there were priests standing there, you know, and all of that, it always felt empty. That's one thing that always stood out to me. It always just felt empty. We could be hundreds of people in there and it just feels empty. I don't know. Who of you have ever been in one of those massive... Anyone? Okay. Do you know what I'm speaking about? You know, and uh, <laughs> I do not want you to have that picture in mind when we speak about God having a zeal for a temple. He's not speaking about a physical location. He's not speaking about a physical, majestic, you know, this windows um, that has been painted by artists. That's not the type of temple that he's actually speaking about this morning. We need to put that out of your mind. But when Jesus said, I will rebuild this temple in three days, what did he refer to? He referred to himself. He said, I'm going to destroy this physical temple. And you know what? Someone is going to rise again. And he will be the temple of God. And he will be the temple of God. So what is the one aspect I want us to look at this morning? As Jesus, the temple of God. Jesus, the temple of God. I want us to look at that. Now, most of you have heard this. I'm going to quickly refer to it. We're not going to put it up here. But John 4, um, uh, the, the, the TMT students are like, they yawn when I speak about John 4. Because every time I have class with them, I speak about John 4. But here we read this encounter between Jesus and the Samaritan woman. And he makes two statements about worship there. And the first statement he makes about worship, he says, We will not come. There's going to come a time. We will not come to this mountain to worship or to Jerusalem to worship. Now, just to give you an idea, for someone to, for Jesus to say that in that time is so anti-cultural. It's actually so offensive to say there's going to come a time where all of us are not going to go to Jerusalem anymore to worship. He made this statement and he was speaking about this. That there's going to come a time where the physical temple is going to shift to a person. Which is Jesus. Which is Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, is you guys with me? Okay. I want to take you quickly then to um, Matthew 12. And then I'm going to be quick from here. Just, I'm just giving a little bit of context. Is this helpful? I do believe this is what God is actually doing and speaking to us in this season. I do believe this. Okay. But Matthew 12, I don't know whom of you that's been here, um, yo, I, don't, I think it's three, four Sundays ago. We had such a sense of the Lord's presence here that morning. And then Eileen brought a word about Isaiah 6. And she read through Isaiah 6, and there was this phrase in Isaiah 6 that says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And um, then as elders, we came together, and I mentioned to them, I've been actually meditating on this phrase, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, because in Matthew, um, and it was in another gospel, not Matthew, 
Jesus actually uses this phrase. And I've been meditating on it, and I want to share about it, and I shared about it. And then, soon after that, you can ask my wife, my focus, my, I felt God directing me to focus on this very thing, Jesus being the temple. And as I delved into it, and I, you know, go through it, it was amazing to me, and I, I just knew God is speaking this. Uh, two days ago, I actually came to Matthew um, 12, verse 1 to 8, and I'm going to mention to you now why this is all significant, what I'm just said. You can read with me. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. So the Pharisees were like, Listen, they are, they are working. They are taking grain. It's Sunday. It's Sabbath. They can't do this. You know, it wasn't Sunday in that time. It was Saturday in that time, believe it or not. But they were, they were taking, they, they're working. This is unlawful. And I love how Jesus responded here. He said to them, have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests and the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. Isn't that beautiful? That he would reveal himself as something greater than the temple is here. And then hear this. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. I never knew that those two statements are next to one another. I obviously knew it, but I never knew it. And as I looked at it, I was like, oh, this is actually so profound because God is speaking this. And just right before it, he makes this statement, someone greater than the temple is here. Now, what are you seeing? You see two things clashing here. You see the Pharisees coming, and for them, it's about sacrifice. It's from the outside inside. That's how the Pharisees approached it. From outside, we're going to try and change you so that hopefully in the inside, you will change. And you will see when Jesus rebuked the Pharisees, he basically told them, listen, you look so beautiful from the outside, but the inside, you stink. And then Jesus makes the statement that there's someone greater than the temple here. There's someone greater than all these regulations here. Actually, the person that all these, the law actually points to, here I am. I desire mercy. I desire your heart rather than sacrifice. Why? Because Jesus' way of doing is from the inside out. I'm not saying, please don't uh, do good works. Please don't hear that. I'm saying as Jesus changes us, as we look at him, he changes us. Hopefully there's fruit, <laughs> uh, fruit of the Spirit that shows, you know. You see these old systems and clash, and you see, again, Jesus revealing himself as someone greater than the temple. So I, I just want to show you out of Scripture that Jesus came to reveal himself as the temple. Now, what does temple mean quickly? Definition, Greek definition, now is that means to inhabit, the part of the temple where God loves to reside. Now, if you look in the Old Testament, most of you would know this. We have this picture of a tent, the, the tent of Moses, the tabernacle of Moses, and then this picture of the temple that was built by Solomon. Now, just a quick overview. Genesis 1 to 3, most of you know Adam and Eve was created, 
we get this idea that God walked with them. There was fellowship with Adam and Eve. There was no sin and there was no separation. Are you all with me? And then in Genesis 3, we read about rebellion. They sin and suddenly there's separation between God and man. And then about 400 years after that, we see Israel being in slavery in Egypt. We all know that story. <laughs> and then when they go through the sea, we see that Moses has commanded in Exodus 25, verse 8, he's commanded that they need to build or build a tabernacle. And God says, this is the place where I want to come and dwell. Okay? hundred years after that, that tent is replaced with a permanent structure that Solomon actually built. Okay? That's the, the temple, the physical temple. Well, a lot of people actually don't know this, but um, Israel actually rebelled. And after that, that first temple got destroyed. Okay? That first temple was completely destroyed. And after they repented, they returned to the land and they actually built a second physical temple. But some of us can ask this question, is this, is this the picture? Because God did come and speak and say, in this temple, in this tent, I want to come and dwell. Is this Eden restored? Is this that picture restored? But unfortunately not. Even though we see glimpses of God's glory filling the tent and God's glory filling the temple. Literally the priest couldn't stand up straight. Okay? You have these instances of clouds being at the entrance of the tabernacle. Whom of you would freak out if you come here one Sunday and there's a cloud here at the entrance? Okay? Some of you will walk around. <laughs> come in the other entrance. What will you do? There's also a cloud. Uh, you know, like some of us would be, would be a little bit freaked out. I don't know how it looked when the glory filled the temple. All that I know, people didn't stand straight up when that happened, okay? They were a little bit down on their faces when that happened. But we have this glimpse. The, the word there for glory, actually, when it refers to the temple and refers to the, the tent, is Shekinah glory. Who of you have heard that? We sometimes call our kids Shekinah, you know? There's one or two Shekinahs here in, in Wellington. But um, Shekinah means manifest glory. Manifest presence. It is tangible. It is here. Okay? So we have this picture. You're all still with me. But what happened with the temple is there was corruption that came in. And as corruption came into the temple, you know, uh, the priests started, I don't know, they like took money and just some of them drank and it just became a messy situation. And then there was silence. And then I want to take you. John 1 verse 14. Almost done. John 1 verse 14. It says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Can I tell you, that word dwelling that we see there is exactly the same word when God in Exodus 25 revealed Himself as the one that will come and dwell there. It means to pitch a tent. So God's saying, my Son, I'm going to send in flesh to this world and in Him I'm going to dwell just as I filled those temples, even as that temple and tent was just a picture of what was to come, okay? It wasn't a full picture. It was a glimpse of what is to come. God is saying, here it is. 
what you've been waiting for. Jesus, full of the glory of God. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? It's beautiful that in, um, in Christmas time we have this phrase that we use, you know, when the angels, or, or when it was announced that Jesus is going to be born, it says, you know, who's going to be born? Emmanuel, okay? God with us. It speaks about the same thing. He that comes and dwell among us. Everyone say, dwell among us. Oh, no, you guys sound like quite depressed about it. You want to say it with a little bit of joy, like a... You know, a apple and he stop, you know. Dwell among us. I'll say. I'll say. God decided to dwell in the flesh of his son. And the glory that was in the tent in the temple was a foreshadow, but there's an excelling, a greater glory that is in Jesus. That is in Jesus. Colossians 1 verse 19. Some of you have heard this. For God was pleased. Everyone say pleased. He wasn't okay. He was pleased. It gave joy to his heart. To have all his fullness dwell in Jesus. So God does not live in a tent in a temple anymore. He doesn't live in a building that's built with precious gold and silver and, and, and you know, and uh, windows just because it's fancy. It doesn't mean that he lives there, okay? He decided to pitch his tent in his son. Now, just as the tent and the temple was a place for Israel to come to hear God's voice, to get to know God, they would usually go and then Moses would be, or the, the, the priests would be the mediators, the same with the, the temple. They couldn't go straight to God. They had to go to a person and the person goes in and no, 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 you know, comes out and God says no, 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 you know. There was this mediator that they had to work through. So it was a place of them getting to know God, but there was something they had to work through to get there, Okay. Now in Jesus, we hear God and we see God and we can know God. Just as the temple was a picture where you brought your sacrifices for forgiveness, now in Jesus, we have forgiveness. Just as the temple was a place where we, they worshipped, now we worship what? In spirit and in truth, in Jesus. To meet God, to talk to God, to worship God, we don't have to go to a physical building. We come to Jesus. Jesus is the temple of God. Disclaimer, I'm not saying don't come to church. If you hear that, you have a warped understanding of what the church is. I'm going to touch on it now. Because do you know if Jesus is the temple of God, Most of us sitting here thinking, oh, that means I can go anywhere and just experience His presence. Yes, you can. But do you know, every time it refers to us being a temple of God, it always speaks about plural. It never speaks about one person. Even in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19, when it says, My body is a temple. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Even that you, your, is plural form. It basically actually saying, if you look through the Bible, I believe, yes, you and your own, yes, you can experience the presence of God because there's places in the world where people 
you know, they are literally alone. They got saved because of Jesus appearing to them in a dream. Yes, I do feel like there's grace. I have had that question in the past. But if you read through Scripture, actually, it is in us together that He comes and dwells. And unfortunately, that promise we only see in plural form. Although, and as a single person, it does happen. But we are called together. We are called together. We are called together. So, Skulk, what does this all mean for me? In Jesus, in Jesus, in Jesus, in Jesus. Ephesians 2, verse 19, verse 22. This is exactly what I just told you. You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens of God's people, and also members of His household, built on the foundation of the apostle and prophets, with Christ Jesus Himself as the chief cornerstone. In Him, the whole building is joined together and risen to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in Him, you too, say you too. Do this to the person next to you, say you too. Are being built together to become a dwelling. The same word, dwelling, that refers to Jesus. The same word, dwelling, that refers to the temple and the tent. It says us together being built together. A dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. That's the promise. Isn't that beautiful? Now, we often hear this language. Jesus is the head of the church. So we are the body of Christ. All of you have heard that? I'm saying Jesus is the temple of God, and you, are, and, you and I are built into this temple, which is Him. You see, it's also just a picture that we use that describes what God is doing in our midst and, and bringing us together. He desires to dwell. He loves to dwell. He does. And because all His fullness, and He's pleased that all His fullness dwells in His Son, if we are all built together in being this holy temple, I believe He is pleased to come and dwell among us. He is. And that's what we've been experiencing. Amen? We've experienced these pockets of life. I do believe there's more. Because if I look at this, that one, um, you, the, the usually temple of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19, actually speaks about, uh, speaks about sexual immorality in the church. But he says, do you not know your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, which is in you? That do you, I mentioned to you, is plural form. In English, we don't say, um, do yous, no, okay? If you're Afrikaans and you're not a good English speaker, you say that, okay? Do yous, no, Okay? And there's only one other place in the world that speaks like that, and it's Texas, okay? Do y'all know, okay? Do y'all, do all of you know? That's the only two places you will see people speak like that. So that's why you read, do you? But it's actually saying, do all of you know? It's plural form. Do all of you know that your body is not a temple of the Holy Spirit? Now, the biggest mistake that we can make is we can go through the season of just the life of God, and actually, you know, we see it, but you miss out. You withdraw, you step back. Together, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. It means if you see yourself part of this body, there's a call here. Remember what I said at the start. As we behold Him, we are transformed. If we behold Him as the temple of God, we need to realign ourselves into this temple of God. 
Now, the presence of God and the dwelling of God is not just for Morris. It's not just for Keenan. It's not just for Derek. It's not just for myself. It's not just for, for one or two of you. It's not just for those that are shaking and rolling. It's not um, for just the worship guys. It's not those, you know, it is for all of us sitting here this morning. And to a certain extent, if you're a member here and you're, you give yourself, if you withdraw, there's something that we miss out on. Because it's in us that He comes and dwells. So I have two things actually that I'm saying. My hope is that as we journey on, as this year goes, and obviously my wife and I, we're going to, you know, we're going to go. But my prayer for this congregation is as we go this year, I believe in this rolling revival. It's been prayed for since 1999, eh? Of 2001. I don't know when, when this church started. 1999? 1997, it's been prayed for already, okay? This, we sometimes jokingly refer to Wellington as revival town, okay? But there is an aspect here, really, that we've been praying for the season. We've been seeing healing, salvations, um, it's just supernatural things happening. We need everyone to step in and partake. But it doesn't happen by Morris and myself and, and Derek telling you, hey, step in. Come on. Yes, we can encourage you. But I believe it will happen when you look at the one that is the temple of God. And we will step into the place that we need to be. Amen. So this morning, you can quickly close your eyes. Annie, I can actually... You would see there's been this theme, and I know Moses has referred to the scripture in Matthew quite often, of uh, Jesus speaking to the Pharisees and mentioning to them, you honor, honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. And we've been feeling, you know, there's, there's something of God actually taking on religion in us. You know, uh, we love form, and we love... No, the, we just you know, we want to try and, and control God and Jesus. You know, we put Him in the box. Like at Sundays, you can come and do what you want to do. As soon as I go home, I'm going to do what I want to do. You know, and you need to just fit into that box, Jesus. Please don't come and disrupt my life. And some of us, we do it, you know, out of a place of maybe we got hurt or whatever. But some of us, we actually, without knowing it, we're doing it. And this story that I read in John about Jesus coming into the temple and flipping tables, it's almost like a Jesus that we cannot control. <laughs> it's a Jesus that we, we cannot put in a box and be like, Lord, I want you to, to do this and act in this way, you know. But it's beautiful, that similar story of Jesus going to the temple we read about in John. And he comes in and he, again, he, clean, he cleanses the, the temple and a couple of verses after it says there were children in the temple. I just, I never saw this. I told Ingrid, I'm just like, what? It actually says there were children in the, in the temple that shouted out, Hosanna. After Jesus cleansed the temple, there were children in the temple that shouted out, Hosanna. And the Pharisees were confused. They asked him, why are they doing this? Actually, the Bible says the Pharisees were angry. They were angry, indignant. And Jesus said, you know, out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise. And you have these two systems clashing. 
the one system is that of of you know love, love loving of money and um as you know like we we do sacrifice the the law need to be followed and here jesus comes and he throws those tables over and he, he's basically saying listen it's about me and then you have these children praising him that which the temple was actually made for it to do now this morning i almost feel like we need to allow jesus to come and do that in our hearts to come and throw over our tables and our religion and that it can rightly be claimed and be the place that it was made to be to be filled with his glory and may praise be poured out from our hearts and the children speaks about a posture a posture that is low before him a posture of trusting him a, po- a posture of being dependent on him and you have these two systems i'm telling you god wants to come and create such a heart in us oh lord would you come and do that this morning come and do that here this morning if there's any place of us that is not completely surrendered to you any place in us that is not not laid down before you god if there's any place that we've been put, putting tables up jesus we we've allowed certain things I pray with you you that are filled with zeal for your house and for your temple would you come do a work in us Jesus Now I want to ask you if you want to respond to that if you want to just say Lord here I actually, I want you to come and throw the tables over in my heart like I don't want to just hold to religious activity can I ask you just to come to the front and we're going to respond in song but I want you to come to the front because I do feel like there's something the Lord wants to specifically want to to come and encounter us on come if you feel like there's something of you just like Lord I just I don't want to be in the place where I I'm actually controlling the idea of you but I'm allowing you just to have your way in my heart What I didn't tell you is a couple of weeks ago Deborah came to me and she told me I have this word and I feel like we're going into a season where we are confronting religion. And I asked God like what how do we do this because I almost feel tired just thinking of confronting religion. Is there something I must do? And I felt God telling back to me, no skull, there's something I need to do. <laughs> and as I prepared, I felt like this is it. <laughs> It's him that throws over the tables. It's him that sees the heart. Lord, and everyone that responded now, just with our hands wide open, we say, would you come and do what you want to do? We make room for you. Lord, we are not going to cling to our opinions and agendas. Jesus, we say, just our hearts belong to you. Come have your way. We submit to you. We yield to you. Jesus. Jesus. You are the temple of God. <laughs> and we want to be part of this, Jesus. We want to be part of this, Lord. Oh Lord. Oh Lord. We lay down control. I feel like that's the one thing God is pointing out this morning. Lay down control. Lay down control. Lay down control. We lay down control this morning, Jesus. We lay down control, Lord. Just where you are, if you're responding to that witness, just tell him, Lord, I lay down control this morning. I lay down my ideas this morning. 
I lay down my desires this morning, Jesus. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Can we respond in song? just want to add to that. I, um, I felt this song quite a while. And I, I think this song is not just for those that are responding. Um, this is a song I want to sing over us as a congregation. And the song's name is Make Room. Um, that we want to make room for him um, to do whatever he wants to. Um, so, and there's a part in the song is just shake up the ground of all my tradition, break down all the walls of my religion. And so, I know there are guys that's responding.